When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grosser with you. It's the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN, like we do each and every weeknight at 7 o'clock, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Harvey Cruz, Jacob Perry, along for the ride. They're producing the program today. As always, you can check us out at Twitter, uh, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. You might be able to tell. You might not be able to tell. Who knows? I could tell. But little less than 100% today. I don't know. Last night when the show was over, you know, just winding down. And then I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, like, starting to feel something, like, weird going out in my throat. And the good news is that it didn't get any worse throughout the night and throughout the day. But it's a little, you know, congestion or something going on. I think it's just allergies. I don't think it's anything super serious. Nobody was harmed in the making of getting to the show here today. So we'll see how we fare. We're going to try to get through it here over the next few hours as best as we can. Now, some housekeeping to get out of the way first and foremost. We were talking about it last night, and people are writing in and, you know, trying to inquire about, hey, you know what, if I can't get the show, if I'm not listening live at 7 o'clock, How can I go back and listen to the show on the podcast? Where do I get the podcast? Podcast ain't up. Well, you know, these things take time, right? It doesn't happen overnight. We're a new show. We're launching. We're developing. We're fine-tuning. We're doing all of these things. But I am pleased to report. See, last night I told you that everything was going to be up and running by early next week. That was the hope. Well, guess what? You don't even have to wait that long. Because the folks that handle such things, the supremely talented individuals that make the magic happen, the show is now up on the good old app. It has its own show page. We've got the thumbnail pick, everything. So if you are looking for this show, then you just download, log on the ESPN New York app, and then you'll see my mug there, the Dan Gross' show, and that is where all the shows can be found, consumed, listened to, critiqued, whatever the hell you want to do with it. That is what you have to reconcile in your own time individually. And then all the other things, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all that other stuff, I think those will be uh, ready to rock and roll by next week. But at the very least, you got the app, ESPN New York app. The show is up there. Now we can go on with the rest of the world in business of matters at hand. Now, Yankees play a little bit later on tonight, so we can save them for later on in the show. That's what we're going to do. We have a virtue of having a couple of hours to play with, right? Because they don't square off against the Oakland A's and kick off that West Coast trip until just after 9.30 tonight. So we'll leave those guys for a little bit later on, even though they didn't get the greatest news in the world involving Nestor Cortez and him going down to a groin injury. I mean, that's the last thing you want to have happen. You know, it's like they get Stanton back, and he's in the lineup tonight. But they lose Nestor, who you know is valuable, especially since Severino's on the shelf and Jordan Montgomery is twirling gems for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, they need all hands on deck. And Nestor Cortez is a guy who is by far has already consumed a career high in innings for a single season. 
and you just wait and see how he's going to come through this. And even Aaron Boone, when he was talking to the guys earlier today on the K show, you know, kind of, you know, hinted at the fact that maybe they were going to look to maybe put the brakes on Nestor at times down the stretch here just to make sure that he doesn't get too out of whack with the innings and he's going to be fresh and is ready to go come playoff time. Because let's be real, when you look at this Yankee rotation right now, like who do you trust the most? And I never thought in a million years I'd be saying Nestor Cortez, but he might be the answer. You need Cole to pitch at a high level. You need him to be an ace. But Nestor might be the guy that you have the utmost faith in, which is just absolutely crazy that we're sitting here and talking about this. So that's the situation with the Yankees. And I said, we'll talk about them a little bit later on. We'll start with the Mets here because they are kicking off a homestand tonight against the Colorado Rockies. First of four. Colorado's the worst road team in Major League Baseball. Hands down. They've won 18 games away from Coors Field this year. Think about that. 18 lousy, stinking games have the Colorado Rockies won on the road this year. So if you're the Mets, minimum, and I know you don't like to play games on paper, but minimum, you should take three out of four. Not even close. Three out of four at the very least. Anything less is a major disappointment as far as I'm concerned here with this baseball team. And I don't have to tell you, look at the standings. All right, the Atlanta Braves are putting their feet up today. They are off, they are resting, and I think that they deserve it because they've been the best team in baseball since the beginning of June. But the Braves playing St. Louis tomorrow to kick off a series against a good Cardinal team. And yeah, they're even going to have to face Jordan Montgomery. How about that? But they're only a game and a half back of the Mets. So it's important that the Mets at least get this lead back up to two full games before you head on into the rest of the weekend here. And Jacob DeGrom is pitching tonight. And, you know, we kind of hinted at that this a little bit last night. When you look at Jacob DeGrom, right, he's pitching with a week's rest. Mets are dismissing it as if it's just, nah, just, just give him a week. Nothing more, nothing less. They also tried to combine that with the fact that Taiwan Walker was nursing, remember, the back spasms and had to be pushed back a couple of days. So that's why Walker pitched on Tuesday against the Yankees, and they wanted to push DeGrom back one day. It would have been one day if they didn't have the built-in off day on Wednesday, but they figure kill two birds with one stone. DeGrom has a full week. Remember, he's still only a few starts under his belt since missing 13 months. And, it, and earlier tonight, you know, I was watching MLB Network, and Pedro Martinez was on. And, and, I mean, Pedro's a Hall of Famer. His resume speaks for itself. But I don't know if you guys had a chance to, you know, listen to Pedro much since he's gotten into broadcasting, whether it's, you know, the games he does for TBS and all the work that he does on MLB Network. He, he's really, really insightful, really, really astute. Not that you would expect anything different from him, but the dude knows what he's talking about. And the fact that he has the track record, the fact that he lived that life, I think adds even more weight and credibility to the things he says. So tonight, they were, you know, they were talking about DeGrom and him getting back on the mound and, uh, you know, as he's trying to still navigate to getting back into form. And Pedro said that, you know what, I was in that boat once. I didn't pitch for almost a year. And the first three starts when you're back, you feel great. You feel fantastic. You think that you could go out there and pitch a complete game. You know, you could throw 150 pitches. Really, nothing ails you. But it's that fourth start. It's that fifth start when you come off of the super long layoff, like Jacob DeGrom is doing, where then you maybe start to have a little bit of arm fatigue. Maybe the shoulder doesn't feel as great the next day because it's still getting used to pitching every five days. 
So he said, you know, if DeGrom does need a couple extra days, and that's what the Mets were doing, even though they're not going to come out and announce it, that this is normal, that there really isn't anything that you should be alarmed about with Jacob DeGrom, that this is just the guy working again to get into rhythm after missing all that time. So we'll see what happens tonight. But because he's had so many bumps and bruises, aches and pains, whatever you want to call it, over the last couple of years, I don't think you could accept anything at face value with him. You know, I'm looking at this game tonight, and I'm going to be basically, you know, critiquing every single pitch he throws and his reaction to it after each and every one. Because you want to make sure that everything is okay and that, indeed, the Mets were just giving him an extra day for the sake of, yeah, well, you know, no harm, no foul. It's not going to hurt him. It can only help him. So we'll see. It's a game that the Mets should win. It's the Colorado Rockies. They're not very good, especially on the road. You got the best pitcher in baseball going. Time to get back on track here because we talked about it last night. Mets have 37 games left. Braves have 36 games left. Really, the Mets only have nine of those 37 games against what we would like to term quality teams. They got three with the Dodgers, three with the Brewers, and three with the Braves. And the Brewers are a completely different team since the beginning of August and the trade deadline when they basically sold their souls and took the heart out of that clubhouse when they sent Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. And you're not playing the Atlanta Braves until October. So you hope that the division is already wrapped up by the time you get to that point in the schedule. So it's all out there for the taking for the New York Mets. And Atlanta, meantime, on paper, their schedule is a lot more challenging than the Mets. 19 of the Braves' 36 games are against what we would call contenders. In addition to those three with the Mets, you got three with San Francisco, three with Seattle, three in St. Louis, seven against the Philadelphia Phillies, who are going to have Bryce Harper back in the lineup here. Although the Phillies put Zach Wheeler on the I.L. with forearm tendonitis, that's not good news. But Harper's presence certainly is going to increase their chances of stealing a playoff spot here in 2022. So it's all there for the Mets. You know, you lose a couple of games to the Yankees. Oh, well, you didn't execute. It happens, right? But the way the schedule and everything plays out the rest of the way, you still got to feel good about where they're headed and where their chances are. I know the Braves are good. And it's not even so much your biggest concern is the New York Mets right now and their level of play. Biggest concern is the Atlanta Braves. And they're really, really, really good. I mean, they're the defending champions for a reason. The other thing, too, you know, and just talking to Don and Peter and whatnot, and I don't remember if we had a call or two about it over the last couple of nights, but, like, how could anybody who calls themselves a Met fan, right, sit here and say that Buck Showalter is not the right manager for this team or Buck Showalter is not doing good with this team and Buck Showalter's never won anything before? Seriously, You know, I asked the question to them, like, what other manager would you rather have right now in Major League Baseball? Who would you want? I mean, are you basing this thing solely on championships? Is that what you're doing? All right, Alex Cora has a championship. Tito Francona has a championship. Tony La Russa, who, like we said, is literally falling asleep in the dugout with the Chicago White Sox. And if the stuff that he's gotten away with this year or tried to get away with this year in Chicago, if he ever tried that stuff in New York, I I, I mean... It it would be unprecedented. He would be getting ripped 24 hours a day. You know, A.J. Hinge has a championship, but that's not really serving the Tigers too well now, is it, in that division? Right? Dusty's a quality manager. 
in Houston. Think the world of him. Brian Snitker has a ring with the Atlanta Braves. But really, I, I mean, is anybody that is managing right now, Davey Martinez, right? You know, anybody managing right now where you say they are head and shoulders a better skipper than Buck Showalter is? No. You know? He is not going to be outfoxed. He's not going to be outmaneuvered. The Mets are never going to be outprepared in any game they play for the remainder of the season. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. In addition to the games, Mets got Old Timers Day coming up on Saturday. That's going to be a blast. I mean, I can't believe, I don't know what it's costing Steve Cohen, to be quite honest with you, but I cannot believe that the Mets have as many big names coming back for the festivities this weekend that they do. I mean, when they release that list of names, you know, former managers, players, and whatnot that are all going to be congregating at City Field on Saturday, you're like, geez. I don't think everybody's doing it just, you know, uh, you know, pro bono, if you will. You know, it's probably costing Steve Cohen a couple of bucks. But spare no expense. That's what he is as advertised, and I think that it's good for the Mets. It's good for the fans. So it was great hearing uh, Straw today with uh, Don in case, and Don and Peter, in case you didn't hear that. Share some of those cuts for you a little bit later on in the program. When we come back, though, we'll take your phone calls at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for us, uh, for ESPN, he was at East Rutherford today at the joint scrimmage between the Jets and and the Giants, and happy to report that there were no fisticuffs. There were no fights. Can't say the same thing about the rest of the NFL, including a fairly prominent player who got into it a little bit today, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the program. But Jordan is going to join us at 8 o'clock to uh, talk a little Giant football as we are just a few days away from the final preseason game of the 2022 season. Thank goodness. But the Jets, on the other hand, um... Well, there's a guy in the roster that we learned about an hour ago that doesn't want to be on the roster anymore. We'll tell you who that is and take your calls. It's Dan Gross' show on a Thursday, almost, almost rounding out the week, right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Remember, on Sunday, final preseason game of the year between the Jets and the Giants. You're going to hear it right here on 98.7 ESPN. Coverage beginning at 11 with Greg and myself on the pregame. 1 o'clock kickoff. Bob and Marty have the call. And thankfully, preseason will come to an end at that point. So, 
about an hour ago, we get word from Ron Slavin, who is the agent for one Denzel Mims, that they've requested a trade from the New York Jets. And the statement that Ron Slavin put out was, quote, it's just time. Denzel has tried in good faith, but it's clear he does not have a future with the Jets. Denzel vowed to come back better than ever this season, and he worked extremely hard in the offseason to make that happen. Still, he's been given no opportunities to work with the starting offense to get into a groove with them. We feel at this point a trade is our only option since the Jets have repeatedly told us they will not release him. Joe Douglas has always done right by Denzel, and we trust that he will do everything in his power to find him another team where Denzel can be a contributor. Um... I mean, didn't we kind of think that this would be the likely course of action anyway? Did anybody really think that Denzel Mims was going to make this club? I didn't, right? And it's not necessarily an indictment on Denzel Mims, right? What it comes down to more than anything else is you look at the Jets' receiving depth, and it's probably as good as it's been in, like, years and years, and probably a decade. Probably a decade. When you talk about Garrett Wilson, who's a first-round pick, Elijah Moore, who is a de facto first-round pick. He went, like, in the first couple of picks in the second round. Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios. I mean, where's Denzel Mims slotting in, right? I mean, in terms of getting legitimate, consistent playing time, I, I, I don't see where he's getting it. You know, and I know that he's kind of been – dealing with some bad luck, especially last year, you know, with the food poisoning and the offseason, and he, you know, just could not get on track. But he showed you some flashes in year number one. He did, but that was also a different coaching staff. And it was also a different offense. And then last year, yeah, he got off on the right or on the wrong foot, no pun intended, but I don't think he necessarily got too caught up with the scheme either, you know? And now the Jets went out there and they improved the talent at that position. So what are they supposed to do? Just sit and wait around? You know, that, oh, no, the other guys are better. The other guys are going to play. I'm not saying that Denzel Mims can't play in the NFL. He probably could play in the NFL. But the Jets also were not just going to give him away for nothing. They'll probably, if anything, work on dealing the trade. Now, they're not going to get a second-round pick for him. And the other byproduct of this whole thing is, I mean... Look at that Jet draft class again from 2020, the first one under Joe Douglas. It, it just, it's not good. It has not been good. It's not panning out. Think about it. The top two picks from 2020, Becton, who's going to miss essentially two straight seasons. Denzel Mims, who has got one foot out the door, basically. You know, one guy in, later in the, the draft, Cameron Clark, he's never going to play again because of a uh, football injury to his neck. I mean, where is this, you know, that, 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 whew. I know it's hit or miss when it comes to the draft, but my gosh. A lot of swings and misses so far for 2020. You hope that they could redeem it, but it's not going to happen this year. You know, Bryce Hall, who was, you know, a contributor the first couple of years. Bryce Hall probably now is not even going to see the field that often if the other guys stay healthy. You know, Bryce Hall's dropped down on the cornerback depth chart. And if you remember that season and you remember that draft, 2020 was when there was an extremely, extremely rich wide receiver group that season. And Joe Douglas traded down in that second round instead of taking some of the available receivers on the board. Traded down, got a couple of picks in addition to what they had, 
And then he still got Denzel Mims. If I'm not mistaken, Denzel Mims was something like maybe like the 12th or 13th wide receiver off the board that year. Like that, that, That's how deep the group of wideouts was. And that was only in the second round. But it didn't work out for him. And I think it is also a testament to Joe Douglas and the front office staff that they've been able to build enough talent with this team where you're not even really sitting here and saying to yourself, well, boy, we can ill afford to lose Denzel Mims because we need help at wide receiver. We just ran through the talent. You know, we told you everything they have. He was the 13th wide receiver off the board, 59th overall in 2020. You know, and, and, and if you look around the NFL, like, you know, last night we were talking about um, Elijah Riley, a guy who was starting at safety for them last year in the final, like, month of the season because of all the injuries they had. A guy they signed off the street from the Philadelphia Eagles, Long Island kid, uh, West Point, real good dude. But they went out and they added to this secondary this year, and Riley probably wasn't going to make the team. So they gave him a chance to hook on with somebody else early enough in camp to where early enough in the preseason to where, you know, he'd have a spot by opening day. And what happened? He got claimed, like, the very next day by the Pittsburgh Steelers. That kind of says something about the talent that you have on your team where the guys that you're cutting are immediately getting picked up by other clubs. I think that's a positive. I really and truly do. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Ira in Staten Island. He's up next here on the Dan Grosser Show. Ira, how are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. Uh, hope you're feeling a little better. And, uh, um, you know, thank goodness to get done with Sunday. But, but I'm looking forward to it, especially since Salah said he's going to play some of the starters. But, uh, you know, hopefully they all walk off healthy. But, you know, getting to the conversation you just had, you know, the better personnel staffs, GMs and scouts, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, if you have three drafts and if you hit on two out of the three, you're, you're, you're at the top third of drafting. Now, right. I get it. That 2020 draft class, it sure looks dismal. And you know what? I hope that they don't make, you know, just to save face, keep a guy like Ashton Javis or Zaninga around because Will Parks, and you can name numerous defensive linemen, have outplayed both of those guys. So they could probably move on from both of those guys too. But, you know, as for Mims, you're right. You know, the wide receiver group, it's a really good group. And even going into camp, at best, he was a number five, and I'd rather have Jeff Smith around because he could play special teams. So, you know, wish him well. Hopefully he hooks up with a team where maybe he fits a little better system. But going into Sunday's game, I just want to get your opinion. Um, what do you think? Maybe one possession, they put up a field goal and get the starters off the field offensively? Is that how you would play it? He said yesterday that he would play. the starters are going to play anywhere between a quarter and a half. Now, that's what he said. What I would do, and I get the whole continuity aspect. I know you want to get these guys out there and keep them in rhythm because you have two weeks until the next, the first game. I, I just think there's more risk than reward. That's how I view preseason, especially at this point. Yeah. Way more risk. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, like I said, that's why if they get it, they drive down the field, kick a field goal, that's it. I, I get them off, and then I do the same thing defensively. You know, they've come this far. So far, they've been really, really lucky. You know, hopefully it stays that way. Um, yeah, you want to go into September 11th against Baltimore with hopefully your top 53 players on the roster. You know, and if they could do that, then you know what? It's been a successful summer. 
I agree with you. Ira, thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. Just, just get to September in one piece. And this goes for the Giants, too. Every team, just get out of the post or the preseason as healthy as possible. I mean, look at what happened last night to Tyron Smith of the Cowboys. They're, you know, pro bowl, all pro left tackle. And I know he's been banged up a lot the last couple of years. Guy goes down in practice, ripped the hamstring literally right off the bone. And he's out until December. Which, by the way, you know what I thought of immediately when that happened? What if Dwayne Brown was still available, right? Because remember when the Jets and Dwayne Brown had talks and they were, you know, trying to see if it was the right fit and if they could come to an agreement? You know, Dwayne Brown's price was going to go up as soon as somebody went down with injury. And in this case, it was Mekhi Becton. But imagine if that hadn't happened. Then the Jets wouldn't have been able to get a guy maybe like Dwayne Brown because you know that the Cowboys probably would have made a call and try to bring him back. Guy played in Houston. He's familiar with Texas. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. More calls when we come back. We'll also, you know, bigger picture here about New York football, the state of New York football for the upcoming season and what the expectations should be and what they are. Stan Cross with you, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Keep it going at 8 o'clock. Jordan Renan covers the Giants for ESPN. He'll give us a holler. Talk about what he saw today at the joint practice with the New York Jets. But, you know, apart from that, you know, it got me thinking, you know, season's just a couple of weeks away, right? And I think that outside of the city, the expectations for the two football locals is not exactly sky high, and I'm putting it mildly, right? Like, I noticed on ESPN.com, they compiled their latest power rankings of all 32 teams. And I was really surprised. I got to be honest with you. Now, I'm realistic. I'm fairly realistic. You know, I'll call it right down the middle. I'll be as objective as I can be. But I think that both of these teams are getting the short shaft and are really kind of getting disrespected by the national media. Now, I'd love to hear from you what you think, realistically, both of these teams can achieve this year at 800-919-3776. But if you look at the power rankings of ESPN as any sort of an indicator, they got the Giants ahead of the Jets, first and foremost. Okay? Now, on paper... I think the Jets are a more talented football team than the Giants. But the Jets also play in the AFC East. And the Giants division is not exactly littered with so many heavy hitters like the Patriots, the Bills, the Dolphins. Giants are 28th. I mean, that's nothing you want to ride home about. I mean, there's still certainly a lot of room for improvement if they're considering you the 28th best team in the National Football League. The only teams they have worse than the Giants 
They have Carolina at 29. They got the Jets at 30. Houston at 31 and Atlanta at 32. You mean to tell me that they think that the Giants and Jets are two of the five worst teams in the entire National Football League? How is that so? Explain that to me. Houston stinks. Houston deserves to be below both of those teams. I, you know, After watching the Falcons for the last few days up here, I think the Falcons are going to have a rough season. I would say that Atlanta's probably worse than the Giants and the Jets. You know, where's Jacksonville? Oh, Jacksonville, they have a 27. Okay, one spot ahead of the Giants. Why, just because Doug Peterson is there, that all of a sudden they think that everything is going to be A-OK in Jaguar land? Not so fast. See how much money they threw around this offseason? And, I, I mean, dumb money, to be honest with you? Like the Christian Kirk contract? But when you're as bad as this teams and these teams have been for how many years, that's the type of respect that you garner across the country. You know, the Jets have the longest playoff drought in the National Football League right now. Think about that for a second. Jets haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. A dozen years. And the Giants... When you look at how they've scuffled and they've been going through head coaches left and right and, you know, completely making over the roster and starting over. I mean, Giants have made the playoffs one time in the last 10 years. And that was the boat trip season. And after that boat trip, everything went. Haven't been very successful. But are they just going to be mired in that department? Is there no optimism whatsoever for these two teams? You know what? Because I can give you optimism. I really and truly can. Jets got some talent on paper. They have upgraded the personnel on this roster. Now, am I going to sit here and tell you that it's a Super Bowl team? Of course not. But are they going to be better than a four-win team from last year? Uh, Yeah. Are they going to be closer to maybe even a decent team? An average team? Then the club we saw last year, 1,000%. I'd be shocked if they're not. I think if you're looking at the Jets right now, that, that number probably has to be somewhere between seven, eight wins. And I think that that's fair. Giants, on the other hand, hey, what if Brian Dayball is able to turn on that light inside of Daniel Jones? What if, right? What if Saquon Barkley is able to regain the form that he showed as a rookie, regain that burst, that explosiveness? You mean to tell me that this offense is not going to be better? You know, what happens if Kayvon Thibodeau, once he's back out there after suffering that knee injury, what if he does put it all together on the field like he saw at times during training camp? And he's as advertised a big-time, legitimate pass-rushing threat off the edge. Then what? You mean, tell me Giants can't be good? That the Giants can't also be in that 7-8 win range? I mean, again, set your expectations realistically. Take them for what they're worth. Nobody's sitting here promising a Super Bowl or anything like that. But the one thing that I think is just complete, complete tomfoolery is this disrespect from the rest of the media saying that they're like two of the five worst teams in the league. No. 
I mean, you think? Let me ask you a question. You think the Chicago Bears are a good team? Hmm. You think Chicago's good? They're setting Justin Fields up. Everybody loves Justin Fields, by the way, right? But the Bears internally are setting him up to fail because of what he's surrounded with. You think the Seattle Seahawks are better than the Jets and the Giants with Geno Smith and or Drew Locke as their quarterback? Are you serious? All of a sudden, people are jumping on the Lions bandwagon. Why? Because they're on hard knocks or because Dan Campbell curses and he's a fiery guy? And Aiden Hutchinson can sing Billy Jean? Is that why we're loving the Lions? You know what's amazing about Hard Knocks, by the way? I don't know if you guys have watched it yet, the first three episodes with the Lions. It's okay. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not awful. It's okay. It's, it's, you know, it's one of the okay seasons. Jared Goff has been barely on it. Barely. Like, you would think the team's starting quarterback, you know, they would at least film some stuff with him, like, either at the facility, at practice, away from, uh, away from the facility, on his own, you know, get the camera on him, mic him up, sit him down, have him speak about the team. Jared Goff has, like, said nothing on camera. And this is a guy who was a former number one overall pick in the draft, a guy who played in a Super Bowl before. And he was on Hard Knocks already, too, when they did it with the Rams, when he was still over there. But they're completely ignoring the quarterback. Does that tell you anything? No way these two teams are going to be as bad as maybe the rest of the league thinks they're going to be. I don't believe it. I won't believe it. Eventually, the worm has to turn, does it not? Eventually, things have to get better. You know, the Giants are going to get a little bit more slack this year because this is year one of the program. This is year one for the coach, year one for the GM. They need to find out, you know, who's going to be part of this solution long term. Who are the guys that are going to help turn this program around? Jets have already done that. You know, now the Jets are just building. I think this fall could be a little bit more fun than maybe a lot of people think. And you know what? We deserve it. Don't you think? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. What do the parties that B have to say about their practices today at East Rutherford? We'll hear from the Jets and the Giants. Jordan Renan's going to join me coming up at 8 o'clock. Talk a little Giant football. He covers them for ESPN. So Dan Grasso show right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 98.7 ESPN. We'll talk to Jordan Renan, a little giant football coming up in about 10 minutes at 8 o'clock. So they got together today, and, you know, last night we were talking about the last time these two teams had a preseason scrimmage back in 2005, and things got a little crazy up in Albany, and fisticuffs and brawls, and, I mean, there have been, you know, stories, and, I mean, there might need to be a 30 for 30 one of these days on a a couple of those skirmishes up there. But to no avail, nothing even close to that today in East Rutherford. And, you know, that's kind of what you want to see. You don't want to have anything negative happen. I mean, if if, if stuff goes on on Sunday during the game, then that's a different story. You can't do anything to help that. But as far as the practice field, you don't want anybody getting hurt or anything unnecessary happening because it's a workout. Nothing more, nothing less. So what did the giant head coach, Brian Dayball, think about the practice with the Jets today? 
It's good to have a team right here across the way to compete against. But again, you got to do things the right way, I think. Show respect to each other, work hard together to improve, I mean, and play football. Not interested in going to see the UFC or boxing matches or anything like that, although I love both of those. Just good competitive football. You know, and I like before practice, too, because Robert Sala, Brian Dayball, they called the teams together in a big circle in the middle of the field and basically told them, look, you know, treat these guys as if they're your teammates. We're out here to get better. We're out here to practice. We're not out here to fight and to get people hurt and so on and so forth. And, you know, the players cooperated, which was good to see here. You know, there'll be plenty of time for that stuff on Sunday because Sunday I guarantee it's going to get heated because you got guys on both of these teams who are trying to make the club and trying to make rosters, trying to get jobs. So all bets are off what happens on Sunday afternoon. And I'll tell you what, you know, Ira brought it up when he called a little while ago. If you think about what some of these teams are doing, as far as the practice of playing your starters, not playing your starters. You know, like tonight, San Francisco's playing Houston tonight. It's actually the first of the uh, Amazon Thursday night games, believe it or not. They're giving that a uh, spin tonight. Putting out Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit to work. But San Francisco's playing like nobody. You know, they're, they're, they're resting as many regulars as possible tonight because it's not worth it. And despite the fact that Robert Sala said that, you know, the starters are going to play probably, you know, anywhere from a quarter to a half in this game on Sunday, I just don't see the value in it. You know, the game means absolutely nothing. You mean to tell me the guys that are quote-unquote starters, they're starters for a reason. They're not fighting for jobs. The only thing that could hurt you is them getting hurt. But if they go out, you know, if you know anybody on the Jets in the starting unit goes out there and makes a great play, you think it's going to matter at all once Baltimore shows up on September the 11th? If Garrett Wilson catches a touchdown pass on a nice little skinny post from uh, Joe Flacco or whatnot, you think anybody cares? They don't get to carry that touchdown over to the Ravens game in week one. And the same thing goes for the Giants. But do you want to see another episode where Kayvon Thibodeau gets hurt? Like happened on Sunday night in a meaningless game? Or, or Zach Wilson when he got hurt a couple of weeks ago? No. You want, you know... Some of these other injuries that are happening around the National Football League, I, I just don't see the value of it. Now, I get it. They're playing the games. It's a necessary evil. That's all well and good. And you know and I know, preseason stinks. It's a horrible product, and for the time being, you just have to suck it up. And it's not going anywhere yet, but eventually, you know, they're going to tack on another regular season game and probably slice away a preseason contest. But do we even need it at all? I know there's a TV element, and I know there's money and revenue to be gained there. I get all those things. But preseason football, more often than not, really is important to the guys trying to battle and get, like, the last four or five spots on the roster. Because teams know going into camp, going into the preseason, by and large, who's going to be on their team. They practice enough. They can have scrimmages if you want. But as far as like playing a full preseason schedule, there, there's nothing to gain from it. There's nothing to gain at all. Dwayne Brown finally getting team reps, by the way, for the Jets. Remember, he signed late as the left tackle. He thinks it's helpful to play against another team. 
It's a huge benefit, you know, yesterday going against our guys. Even though I hadn't practiced against them, I was familiar with them from watching them. Today, just kind of learning on the go. Uh, guys' tendencies, pass rush moves. This is my first day in pads, so the first day in pads to be against another team, I mean, that's just like a, a shock to the system. And I think it was good for me. You know, I, I responded well. And, um, you know, Sunday, I'd be another step forward. Well, I'll tell you, that actually could serve a purpose because you want to at least get maybe a series with that offensive line playing with one another because they're new, right? Dwayne Brown is yet to play in any sort of a game. He's just taking two practices, basically, with the team. Team reps. Dwayne Brown, Fant on the right side. You know, get those five together for maybe just one drive and then get them out of there because you don't want them to go into the regular season on September the 11th and not have any snaps together. Continuity for an offensive line is, I think, really, really important because ones that have struggled out of the gate and ones that have gotten off to slow starts, a lot of them have told you in the past, and I mean, I've had guys tell me this, that not playing so much in the preseason, not playing together at least, it has had an impact when the games mattered for real. And then back to the expectations, you know, as to what you realistically expect to see from these teams. C.J. Mosley, one of the leaders of this Jet team, was asked if he still believes that the Jets are a playoff team. I still feel the exact same. Uh, we still have to you know, make sure we're doing, doing the things that we have to do to get better every day. Obviously, in these preseason games, um, there's been a lot to learn and uh, there's been a lot to take away from it. And uh, obviously, when we, when we come back and practice and getting ready for tomorrow, we just have to keep trying to get better and uh, sharpen our craft. So it's a long road to the playoffs. So we just have to take it day by day and try to get better every day. I mean, I don't expect him to say anything different. To be honest with you, I mean, would you? Right, if you were on a team or doing what, would you sit there and say, yeah, you know, I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be that good this year. Of course not. You know, it goes back to like when the Giants won that first Super Bowl with Eli. Remember all that controversy before the season started about, you know, when Eli was asked if he's a lead or not by the guys on the K-Show. They were the ones who asked that question. And what's Eli supposed to say? No, not. You know, no, I'm not, no, I'm not as good as this guy. He's better. Of course you're not going to say that. Anybody who's a competitor, you're going to think that you have every right to go out there and be better and win and succeed just as much as the next guy. So from a team aspect, they're thinking the same thing. And as I got done saying a little while ago, enough with the disrespect from the national media about the clubs in this city. Really. They are not as bad and will not be as bad as so many are making them out to be. I'm not sitting here telling you playoffs. I'm not that crazy. But to say that they're going to be bottom feeders and a laughing stock and they're going to be picking, you know, in the top five, six in the draft next April, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. They are going to be better than that. Atlanta stinks. Houston stinks. Um, Jacksonville stinks. Detroit. Chicago, Seattle. That's like six right there. How about Washington? Is Washington going to be any good? Well, you know what? I'm looking at this list right now. And they have the New Orleans Saints 20th. I mean, does does anybody, like the people that put these lists together, do they actually pay attention and, and know football and watch football? You know how good the Saints roster is? The Saints roster is probably easily top 10 in the NFL. And aside from the questions they have at quarterback and head coach, 20th best team in the NFL, really? 
I encourage you at some point, either tonight, tomorrow, in your leisure, go check out the Saints roster and tell me that that is only the 20th best team in the National Football League. I, I mean, get the hell out of here. Playoffs? Saints are going to the playoffs this year. They are going to the – they own Brady. Since Brady went to Tampa Bay, they own him, except for the playoff game. They've won four out of five. So maybe you take those power rankings with a grain of salt. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>